0: What up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode number 76 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. In this episode, I speak about Mayweather vs. McGregor officially being announced, watching F is for Family on Netflix, and what I like most about the writing on The Carmichael Show. Lastly, I read and reflect on some of my free writing which is located at spuntoday.com forward slash freewriting. And by freewriting, I don't mean just the fact that it's free, although it is that, but the practice of freewriting, aka flow state writing, which I'll explain later when we get up to that part of the episode. All right. so Mayweather-McGregor, finally, finally in the books. Well, in the books, as far as being a done deal. And... It has been officially announced they're going to fight on August 26th, which is a pretty quick turnaround. Either there was like mad negotiations going on behind the scenes, uh, which I would imagine would happen anyway, but for much longer than uh, we otherwise would have thought because it got announced a couple of weeks ago and it, it's already happening in two months. And part of that could be, that you know, it's being written off as not a real fight, it's you know, like a sideshow spectacle type of thing, a money grab. And I definitely could see the argument for all of those things. But from my perspective, as a fan, as somebody that uh really enjoys watching uh UFC, and I'm not as much of a boxing fan, but I definitely watch all the like big name fights and I've seen all of my, uh, Mayweather's and and Pacquiao's and stuff like that so as far as hype goes this as a fan i it's gonna be the best it's gonna be the pinnacle because what draws what draws uh boxing fans in to let's say uh, mayweather fights aside from the fact that he's like probably not even arguably but the best defensive boxer of all time what draws the casual fan into watching his fights is the fact they talk so much shit and everybody most people are like rooting for him to get his head knocked off and for the more more technical boxing fans they they're into it that much more not just because of the hype but because of his elite uh defensive game which to the casual fan on the flip side they find you know boring and whatever but it's like really masterful shit like we want to see, you know, brawls and and you know people get knocked out and stuff like that. But boxing is, or any striking really, but boxing is hit and don't get hit, like equally. Like it's not just hit. It's not like seventy thirty. You know, hit and you know thirty percent of the time, you know, just try not to get hit, or thirty percent of your focus should be not to get hit. It's literally fifty fifty. Hit, don't get hit. That. 50% don't get hit portion of of a box's focus is you know both sides of, this, of the same coin type of thing but is as important as the you know and then make sure that you hit also and Mayweather has that in spades he has that down packed now what's amazing to me about this fight is that Conor McGregor has had like a meteoric rise in the UFC right his first fight in the UFC um was like four years ago And he, prior to that, he worked in, um, some lower organizations. He even retired at one point or, or was thinking about retiring. He was like fighting on the side and he was also a plumber and on, um, on, uh, welfare over in Ireland and shit like that. And he was like, fuck it. Let me give it like one more run. And he got the attention of the UFC and got into the UFC four years later. He's that where he's at. He's literally the biggest star the UFC has ever had. And that's in large part to his kind of borrowing a page from Mayweather's book and talking all the shit that he talks. And super entertaining in terms of selling himself in press conferences and being cocky and confident and, and flashy and everything that everybody pretty much hate, not everybody, but a lot of people hate about McGregor, M- McGregor or hate on, I'm sorry, uh, about Mayweather. Conor McGregor has that same love-hate on the flip side. Like people, you know, he's gotten the attention that he's gotten because of it, but a lot of people hate on him because of it, etc. cetera. So these two larger-than-life personalities clashing, just the hype of the fight, the press conferences, the 24-7s, the embedded. Uh, that UFC is going to do the embedded on which is you know UFC's version of 24-7 and I'm sure Showtime is going to do their version of as well but it's going to be epic it's going to be fucking phenomenal like most people myself included would pay just to see that just to see like the lead up and the hype uh, up up to the fight and now you know UFC is a different sport right a different type of combat sport but one of the things that McGregor has going for him is that not only does he talk the shit just like Mayweather but he's not a defensive fighter he's like probably the exact opposite he's a I'm gonna knock you on the first round type of fighter that actually has backed it up in his four years so it's not just the shit talking and that he's like a you know like a whatever fluky fighter but he has backed up all the crazy shit that he has said and by literally calling, you know, within X amount of minutes in the second round, I'm going to knock you out with the left hook and like shit like that time and time and time again. So he has become the largest paid uh, fighter in or the highest paid fighter in the UFC. I think he reported. Uh, self-reported like 40 million made in in like 2016 or 2015. And which to make on. To Mayweather is like chump change, right? Because Mayweather makes like a a hundred million per fight type of thing. But UFC is a different sport in in its in its infancy, really. And top notch, top level fighters would make like three, four, five, six million a fight, versus, you know, somebody like Mayweather that makes fucking a hundred million. Now a lot of people say that Mayweather like talked his way to the top, which like I mentioned before, like all the shit talking and stuff like that has been part of it. But he's also backed things up. I just lost my fucking train of thought. Okay, so what's uh, you know, kind of, kind of has just, like spoken his way to the top or whatever stuff like that, right? And he literally has two two weight class uh, championships at the same time. Uh, first fighter to ever do that simultaneously, and. Then he was criticized for like you know not not defending the titles as much. Or like one of them he got and he didn't defend it, uh, which was the the one against Alvarez when he won against Alvarez, which was, was his last fight in the UFC. Um he did defend the the one forty five belt though. Uh, once. Then he went up and wave from one forty five to fucking one seventy. Which is something another element that, that plays in here. He's a, like a much larger frame fighter than than McGregor, and they are fighting at one fifty four. So Con- Con- Conor has fought at one forty five. He has fought at one seventy against Nate Diaz, and Nate Diaz, um, which is the person that he he lost to, and then he he beat him in a, the second time in the ufc but Nate diaz was coming kind of like coming down that's like his natural weight He has to cut a little bit i think to get to 170 so he was coming down connor was going up to 170 so he was fighting a much larger fighter and he split uh with him in two fights one fight each but the sickest part of this is that a ufc fighter talked his way like hyped his way Into fighting a boxer in a legitimate boxing match, like that in and of itself, to to be able to cross over like that is sick. It's like you know people see it as like oh fighting is fighting. It's really not. It's like a complete different sport. It's like if LeBron James would speak his way onto the fucking Patriots or something like that. Um. So his ability to do that in and of itself is sick to me, and. Then it goes even deeper with the fact that he he spoke that shit uh, to this level, but not to bring out like a Paulie no no disrespect to him, but you know, not to bring out a, just like any pro level boxer, literally the greatest defensive, highest paid boxer ever of all time is the person that, that he got he was able to hype his way up to matching up with and even a yeah, a deeper level from there is that mayweather's fucking retired he brought mayweather out of retirement for this fight so it's sick to be able to that 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 this is happening it's like un- unprecedented as my man bernie sanders would say now on the flip side you have Mayweather, who sees this as a you know uh, money making opportunity for himself. You know he's money Mayweather. It's like his whole whole mo, and most likely he's looking at this like uh, you know an easy victory. Um, he's forty nine and zero, retired with forty nine and zero, tying the all time record, which was uh, Rocky Marciano's all time uh, uh, record. And this is a chance for Mayweather to top that and become 50-0, the most winningest boxer ever. And also a huge money-making opportunity. If he made, reportedly, I think it was like $100 versus uh, Manny Pacquiao, which was the highest-grossing fight ever um, of all time, which made, if I'm not mistaken, like over $650 million. Over half a billion dollars that fight made. And it was a fight that happened, uh, few, you know, three to four years too late, in terms of you know when everybody wanted to see that fight happen with both of them like at their pinnacle primes. This must be an opportunity, in terms of a financial opportunity that makes sense for Mayweather, for McGregor coming from you know making in an entire year fighting you know two two to three times, uh, and making like forty million you know it's it's obviously it's a it's a win uh financially in uh, in the financial column of this entire thing but to bring mayweather into it and especially out of retirement and especially in in this like quote unquote sideshow type of type of fight it must make a shitload of sense financially so he must be making that or more and i would argue that this fight is going to generate more this is going to be the highest grossing Uh, fight ever it's going to beat the many the many pacquiao mayweather numbers for example the arena that that there they want to have the fight in is not the mgm which is where uh, pacquiao mayweather was it's the t-mobile arena which holds like 3600 more seats so you have that going for it um and again like with the hype uh, around this fight it's going to bring all the extra casual fans that are just going to like order it to watch it and and stuff like that and it's going to bring it's going to be like the McGregor hype train as well as the Money Mayweather hype train like colliding so it's it's going to be fucking bonkers what sucks for me is that it's slated for August 26th which is the same day that probably like a week before then I uh, got tickets to go see Russell Peters at Caroline's that day. Um, which I was very... I'm still excited about. He's <laughs> a great comic. And, you know, one of the top headliners working today. And I'm actually going to, like, the earlier show with my wife. So I'll probably make it back in time to watch it anyway. Um, but I know he's, he's actually a big boxing fan, Russell Peters. So he's probably bummed about it also. And... It's going to be interesting, man. In terms of predictions, I would say, you know, similar to uh, the analogy I used before, of, like LeBron James going to do something on the Patriots or something like that. Like he would get washed by probably anybody. Because it's not a sport. You know, he's athletic. He's, he's, you know, all that. and But it's not his sport. It's not what he does. Uh, same thing with McGregor. I think that... Um, cardio is going to be a question like we saw McGregor gas out during the first matchup with with Nate Diaz you know um he was coming coming off of like heavy antibiotics and some respiratory shit that he that you know he he was going through cuz he I don't know he had a flu or like some crazy shit like that and he was going up in weight for the first time to 170 so i mean but those could all be argued as excuses or whatever but uh McGregor's used to training for five 5-minute rounds tops and prior to that 3 5-minute rounds for non non uh, main event championship fights and he has only gone the distance in twice in his career which was the second time he fought uh Nate Diaz and uh, one other time in his career which he he made it to uh, he went the distance to a like decision um that was a three round fight Everything else prior to that has been like a first or second round knockout. So, it's five five five-minute rounds, which is a top of which he only did once, um, cardio-wise, you know, making it through that. And that's a a max of uh, 25 minutes. So, one could argue that, you know, if he's possibly fighting for that long, he's training for that long. Now, boxing, this is going to be a straight boxing match. They're going to fight at 154 is going to be the weight. And it's a 36 minute bout so it's 12 3 minute rounds so that's something to to consider two it's not his, his his world it's not his wheelhouse mayweather is the best defensive fighter ever in boxing this is what he does this is his shit you could argue that he's older uh, etc um and connor's uh, younger has a larger frame which he does have uh, going for him Connor's in his, uh, I don't know, 27, 28, 29, maybe, not even. And Mayweather's, you know, up there. He's uh, late 39, 40 years old, 40, I think, 41. But again, this is what he does. This is his world. McGregor strikes. Yes, absolutely. But it's MMA striking. It's different from boxing, different angles, different tools that you have to to work with um you could set up punches by using kicks etc you can't do any of that shit in boxing so it's a different game altogether and there's actually i believe there's a clause in the contract that says because people have said oh you know mayweather should just like kick him in the fucking solar plexus or some shit like that and then (laughs) get disqualified and but if that happens i think there's a there's a clause in the contract that they they agreed to stating that um mcgregor like won't get paid anything or some shit like that which makes sense you know um what else what else is a factor here uh the gloves since they're fighting at 154 if they would have fought like i think the weight class below that like 150 or one whatever it is 148 149 I don't, i'm not sure how it works in boxing but the one one weight class below that they would have fought with a smaller gloves which would benefit connor because Connor's used to Uh, on the UFC fighting with smaller gloves boxing has bigger gloves and uh since they're fighting at 154 that's the first weight class that would require uh, the 10 ounce gloves which are bigger and benefit Mayweather because Mayweather's used to fighting with those gloves and he also he uh, supposedly breaks his hands a lot Mayweather like during his fights he has a lot of like hand breaks because he has like small you know not like I'm shitting on him but like frail hands or whatever you know used to fucking punching like crazy and that's probably why, so the extra padding benefits him, where McGregor is not going to be used to that that extra, you know, the 10-ounce gloves, the heavier gloves and the padding and stuff like that. Now, the only argument that, that makes sense to me for Connor actually pulling an upset in this fight is the fact that he has knockout power and he has specifically like left he's a, a southpaw which may well has tr- has had trouble with like the only trouble that he's had in his career has been against like southpaws um and mcgregor has a very unorthodox type of style and like a touch of death left hand that everyone who he's knocked out or or like fought with has cop to like admitting like you know what we've always heard this we've got punched by other fighters it's not going to be shit but then after at the fact they're like, holy shit, that guy like hits hard. But again, he's going against the best defensive boxer of all time. Will he be able to hit him? Will he be fast enough to hit him? Which is the thing that we hear about uh Mayweather, that he's like a fucking ghost in there. Like you just literally can't catch him. And everyone says the same type of things about him, like, holy shit, I heard he was fast and you can't hit him, but you know, he's a lot faster than I even thought. And now I heard this point and it was on a like on some UFC UFC uh, show that they were speaking about it. And one of the I forget who it was. I want to say it was Kenny Florian, but I, I, I don't remember exactly. But it was a point that kind of kind of sort of made sense to me as, you know, like a non fucking fighter. But he was like when sparring or maybe it was Michael Bisping, actually, I think it was Bisping. Maybe speaking to Kenny Florian, actually, on one of those fucking Fox shows that they do, UFC Tonight or whatever. Um, They said something to the effect of, you know, when sparring with, you know, a high level uh, partner, you, you know, it goes the way that you think it should go. Because, you know, the head movements that they're going to use and and like the style of fighting that you're you're sparring within and and stuff like that. But then, when you spar against like a novice fighter, you wind up getting hit more because there's a level of them knowing enough to to like spar, but at but not knowing enough to spar correctly, if you will. Like they they're like novice enough to the point that they'll do like flailing, you know, unorthodox, weird shit just because they don't know what they're doing exactly. Um, or as you know they're not as seasoned as they as like a uh, another high level uh, opponent would be and his point is that he get he would get hit more in sparring from one of these like low level you know guys in the gym just because they don't know what the fuck they're doing so taking that sentiment and applying it to the mcgregor mayweather fight connor's not gonna know exactly what the fuck he's doing from you know two three four months if he's been preparing in advance for this um worth of straight boxing training versus, you know, MMA fighting. He's entering Floyd's world. So that could be actually a negative thing for Floyd because he's Connor's gonna come at this with some weird unorthodox fucking, you know, this isn't boxing, but he's just throwing his hands type shit that Floyd is not used to. It's not like the art quote unquote of boxing. And that might work in Connor's favor if he's able to couple that with actually slipping in one of those lethal uh left hands but if mayweather figures him out figures uh connor out and his style within the first couple rounds as he has for his last 49 professional fights in a row (laughs) and he's able to to just slip all of mayweather's uh attacks and then as the rounds go on you know fifth sixth uh seventh rounds uh mayweather's cardio is gonna is gonna show in my opinion, and it'll go to a unanimous decision for Floyd. But if Conor wins, the only way he would would be if, again, he approaches it in some weird, unorthodox way, mauls Mayweather and just fucking clips him with the with the left, which Mayweather is susceptible to, again, because he has trouble with southpaws, and if we see, you can see clips of his fight against like, Maidana and and, um... Fuck, I forget the other guy's name. But that he's gotten stunned and clipped with lefts uh, in the past. And there was one Maidana one, which he literally got like saved by the bell clipped. Uh, Mayweather was. So, whatever. That's my take on it. Either way, I'm excited as fuck. Looking forward to it like crazy. Mayweather vs. McGregor. August 26th, 2017. F is for family is... Uh, season two is now available on netflix that is uh the show that was created by bill burr that i thought was just bill burr but he uh if i'm not mistaken took the idea to michael price which was or is uh, a writer and producer of the simpsons and uh they created it together the show and it is a fun watch it's like a anime it's an animation like the simpsons it's a comedy drama and it's like loosely based on uh like Bill Burr's life growing up. And the way like Bill uh uh Burr has described it on his podcast, you know, when speaking about like being in the writer's room and creating, um, you know, writing for the show and doing the voices and like shit like that. Is that it's a glimpse into how shit used to be back then, like when he grew up in the in the seventies. And it's just fun to watch, like as a period piece like that, and it's like like funny and his has like curses and and it's not like pc and it's a, a time when it was a very patriarchal society like more than more more so than now and you know the wife belongs long for pregnant in the kitchen type of shit and uh slap the kids if they fucking act up <laughs> type of thing and the dad sits in front of the TV and yells at the kid and says, I'm going to put your fucking head through the wall if you don't get better grades and, you know, just shit like that. Goes through, like, the shenanigans that kids go through, of like, getting bullied, like, back then versus versus now, I guess. Um, at least I would uh, compare it that way, you know, from, like, my perspective. It's like, oh, shit, that's how shit went down, like, back then, which is, again, through the lens of someone that, uh, one person that grew up, like, back then or whatever. And, you know, it's written in, con- in conjunction with being cognizant of that time period. You have a couple that got together, um, being like Burr's father and, and his wife. You know, his father was drafted and fought in Vietnam and his wife in the show. And his wife, um, uh, he wound up knocking her up before he went to flight school because uh, he wanted to be an airline pilot and she wanted to go to college and, and as well. And then she got knocked up, so he didn't go to flight school and instead just uh, continued the job that he had in the airport and became, like, the manager of, like, the baggage department or something like that. So he didn't fulfill his dreams. His wife became a stay-at-home mom. She never went back to school. And they wound up raising three kids. And And it's just that very common middle middle class or lower middle class like struggle that a lot of us come from and it's a dope show it's 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 funny as hell and i recommend it so check it out it's called f is for family and uh second season was released and now um we gotta wait till next year to watch the third <laughs> thanks netflix fucking binge watching it has it has its pros and cons but whatever next is the carmichael show. Before I get into the free writing stuff, so the Carmichael show I recently got put on. I saw uh Gerard Carmichael's uh, comedy special. I liked it. Uh, I spoken about it before on the podcast. He is a young uh younger uh comic, and I heard about the show when he was promoting season three. I caught him on the the breakfast club that's uh I had heard mention of the show before, but it was kind of like uh, whatever and then like him speaking about the show more on. On the Breakfast Club, like uh, how it's written and stuff like that piqued my curiosity. I wound up checking it out on actually the first, I think it's in its third season now. And the first, like two seasons are on Netflix. So you guys can check it out there if, if you want. And it's also available, like the new season is, I think it's like an NBC show. NBC? Yeah, it's an NBC show. And so it's available on NBC. When it comes out, it's a half hour sitcom. And I'm not big on sitcoms, but when it's, when it's a show like, like this, I guess it, uh, I I like it. So what I'd like most about the show, aside from the fact that it's funny, because again, it's, it's created and, and written by, by comics, you know, not all comics, you know, that's obviously a writer's room, but I it's comprised of comics it's created by gerard carmichael which is a comic tiffany haddish is a comic she's on it uh lil Rel howry is another comic which is the the tsa the tsa best friend in the movie get out uh he's really funny as well so the funny element of it comes from that pure place of comedy of uh, from a comic you know it's not like a manufactured type of show i was having this conversation with my wife like you know a show like the big bang theory that could i guess be funny when <laughs> when um because it's it's created by by writers that can be funny but it's like a manufactured type of feel you know and it has like the fake laugh tracks and like stuff like that which i hate um a show like this is filmed, uh, like the Carmichael show is filmed in front of a live studio audience. So it's like, I don't know, it feels more genuine, like that the funniness of it. But above all else that I appreciate the most of the writing is the perspectives of it, the dual perspectives of it, and how each show is dealing with a, a specific topic. One is about religion, one is about guns, one is about rape, one is about assisted suicide, one is about, you know, each show is like a specific topic. And I find myself, like, when, you know, listening to podcasts about, you know, that, you know, go over these types of issues or reading articles or or just seeing casual conversation with people or on Twitter or whatever... Seeing like the talking points or, or whatever on these types of topics, like I personally, I see both sides or more sides than just no, it's like this or nothing. Whereas, like, a lot of shows or like talking heads, like, you know, their slant, like their agenda, their, their, their like take on things, it's like 80 20 in one direction. Um, I appreciate how a show like this fleshes out like both sides of an argument and it's like yeah I agree with that and oh shit I also agree with that. And I love that especially with the sprinkling of funny all around it which makes both sides that much more digestible. It's actually um what I appreciated a lot that I mentioned to you guys about the Horse and Pete show um that Louis CK Louis CK did with uh those scenes of, you know, completely Speaking about completely and, and eloquently speaking about uh, and earnestly speaking about two sides of the same issue. There was a protesting episode in the Carmichael show, like, stuff like that. And I I just find that dope. The ability to, to share both sides and, and through, like, different characters that have their, you know, within the show, have their own slants. And even certain characters you think would be on one side of the argument wind up being on the other and you know from a parent's point of view from a sibling point of view from a, a couple relationship point of view i think conversations like that are super important for uh to be out there like just in the zeitgeist and hopefully it helps hopefully um shows like this help in resonating with like more people and opening more people up to to just different perspectives on shit. And just like any, like, everyday thing, like, for example, a flat earther conspiracy theorist um, person that believes any and every conspiracy and we never landed on the moon and the earth is flat and there's lizard people and stuff like that that just believe any and every fucking conspiracy is literally doing as much damage and the same exact thing, as a person that doesn't believe in the existence of any conspiracies, because conspiracies literally do exist. People do conspire to do shit. But there's people that are like, "Oh no, that sounds like some conspiracy theory type of thing." No, that that it's bullshit. Without looking into it, without acknowledge, without accepting that there may be points on that side of the argument on the quote-unquote conspiracy argument that makes sense or that are true. Conspiracies like I've pointed to in the past like the Gulf of Tonkin incident which got the United States into war uh, the war in Vietnam where uh, we sank quote-unquote uh, Vietnamese Navy ships in the Gulf of Tonkin and then uh, in the 60s which was the justification for president uh, Lyndon B Johnson to to take us into uh, the the fucking war in Vietnam like one of the worst wars ever. In 2005, a declassified national security agency study sh- showed that there was no ships that we sank. There were shots uh fired and and we claimed that there was a a ship that was a Vietnamese ship that we had to that we had to defend against and and sink and and what got us into the war or whatever but there never was there were shots fired it was a a like a false flag and that got us into that war um you know, other conspiracies quote unquote like the uh operation northwoods which i'm gonna i'm gonna quote a uh, direct quote from the the documentation from the Joint chiefs of staffs of the military that submitted this to to then president kennedy quote we could develop a communist cuba terror campaign in the miami area in other florida cities and even in washington we could sink a boatload of cubans en route to florida real or simulated exploding a few plastic bombs in carefully chosen spots the arrest of cuban agents and the release of prepared documents substantiating cuban involvement also would be helpful in projecting the idea of an irresponsible government end quote this was submitted to Kennedy and vetoed by Ke- Kennedy as an idea or an excuse or reason to um, have the the uh, public support of going into Cuba and overthrowing Castro like that was literally an idea um, which you know back then you know, f- go back to the 60s, be like, oh, yeah, it's conspiracy theory, hippie bullshit, you know, the government doesn't do stuff like that. Um, And these are all like facts. Like these aren't conspiracy, these are proven true, unclassified documents, which are available. Go to fucking the NSA website or, or whatever. And um look shit up for yourself. Like there's there's tons of stuff like this that again, Back to my original point. A conspiracy theorist that believes in fucking lizard people and the Illuminati running the world are literally the same exact person as someone that hears a a theory like this and just throws the baby out with the bathwater. They're literally doing the same thing. Same exact thing. They're the same exact person. Just two sides of the same coin. And that's why a show like the Carmichael show will save the world. Now let me stop. (laughs) Um so back to the Carmichael show, that's why I think it's so important to not have those polarizing views of things. There's, everything exists in the gray. And everything is worked out and fixed and, and improved in the gray. Like the gray exists. Nothing is black and white. Well, I'm not going to say nothing, but most of everything is not black and white. And the Carmichael show, in my opinion, does a phenomenal job of, of depicting that by tackling one topic at a time that said let's do some free writing or reading and reflecting of some of uh my free writing so like i was saying in the intro free writing is a practice that's that i do often that's uh meditative and and cathartic to me and it's literally um getting in a uh getting yourself in a flow state so you put a pen to a piece of paper and you literally write whatever comes to mind and i share definitely not all of my free writing some of it the doesn't even fucking make sense to me when I go back and read it, but certain things that, you know, it's not an attempt to come off as like preachy or anything like that to, to anyone. It's just things that I feel I worked out kind of in my mind and, and by writing them out and certain things kind of sort of resonated with me and things that I try to apply like in a practical way to my own life that I have seen as beneficial. Or that I think could be beneficial. And I share share them because I hope that somebody else listening to this or that reads it on my on my blog, on my site or whatever at uh, the com forward slash free writing. That maybe it could help somebody else out as well. And I wanted to say that caveat because, you know, certain things like I, re- I read it back and like when I'm reading it now, like for the podcast. And I'm like, what an arrogant piece of shit I sound like. What the fuck do I know about life and and all this stuff to be giving advice to people? And I don't feel like I do at all. But I also do feel like we are none of us do. Like we're all just figuring it out. So the more information and advice and and perspectives that are out there, the more we collectively will help that process along of figuring shit out. So that said, if you want to read any of the, uh, read along with any of the free writing or, you know, in the future, uh, feel free to check them out at uh, spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. I'm going to share three different posts uh, with you guys today. The first of which is, uh, was posted to the blog on June 25th, 2017. And for those of you that, you know, this is your first free writing episode that you're listening to, uh, the way I do it, the way it works is that I go through my notebooks of writing because I do, like, all my free writing literally by hand, uh, analog style, in a bunch of, like, little notebooks that I have. So I sift through them from time to time, and then I just transcribe them onto the website. So, for example, it's posted this one that I'm going to read now. It's posted to the to the website on June 25th, 2017, but I actually wrote it on July 12th, 2013. And I give you guys like the timestamp on the bottom of when I actually wrote um these posts, like physically wrote them, but they're obviously posted on the website at, you know, different times whenever I take the time to sift through the notebooks and post it to the blog that that uh, I'm going to read on the podcast. So the first post is from the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, or my free writing piece was inspired uh, by the War of Art from Stephen Pressfield. Specifically these couple sentences here. Quote, It's not the writing part that's hard. What's hard is sitting down to write. What keeps us from sitting down is resistance. End quote. And to that I wrote, Ain't that the truth? Writing Now that we've crossed paths for a longer period of time than an intersection where we used to meet, greet, and part ways has become easy. And I don't mean that in a hubris-filled way, but in an embracing, sharing type of way. I guess the wonderment of it in what's going to come out when I free write piques my curiosity. The love of it helps me embrace it. My novice helps me blindly fall for it. My innocence wards off all the thoughts of is this any good? Who would benefit from reading this but me? Would anyone even want to read this, let alone benefit from it? Am I a writer? I must be. I'm writing, right? Or is it just a poor excuse, slash, my version of writing? I haven't earned that distinction but I want to badly an unattainable goal that I want to achieve one that I'll feel only accomplished when, when I know when I feel it, if I get to feel it, a goal so prolific that the journey alone will prove to be fruitful in ways I can't yet imagine or understand. It flows easily, passionately, At a fever pitch. Pours out like a popped open fire hydrant in the summertime. Is it good? Is it bad? That's all subjective. I needn't concern myself with that. Is it getting done is the question. That's my concern. That's the issue. That's the elephant in the room. Getting the pen to physically cross paths with the paper. That's the bitch. That's the darkness, and this is the light. I guess you can't have one without the other. A necessary evil of sorts, until you grow and learn to function without it. Until you learn to use it, resistance, and its strength as a positive and powerful motivator. An HID light that's heavenly bright. A path that you've paved for yourself and of your own accord. One to look back on and be proud of. So sit down, let the pen flow, and make yourself proud. And I wrote that on Friday, July 12, 2013 at 12.02 a.m. And this piece, I think, speaks to like that classic dilemma when it comes to writing of we love having written. We love the process during the writing like while it's going on like while it's literally while you're typing while your hand is moving on the paper with the pen in your hand like that part of it it's like awesome it's like it elating but the planning to the i'll go sit at the computer right after this episode is over the i want to go to the movies but i gotta write the after i finish recording this podcast i promise i'm gonna do you know 500 words that part of it is excruciating. That is the, the the part the was Stephen Pressfield calls the resistance that keeps us from getting to that place of of writing elation. This piece is also filled with like all the self doubt that we go through, um, just as people in general like going through life, but in writing, it's I think that much more prevalent because we're we're we guard our shit more and don't think it's good enough and and want it to be fucking phenomenal and we put all this like extra angst and pressure on ourselves which which could be motivating in a way because you you're cognizant of it and you want to make it really good and maybe it is really good but at the same time it's like it's all subjective anyway so something that one person considers fucking the most phenomenal thing they've ever read in their lives somebody else could write it off as eh, you know so it's it's whatever do it for you that's the point set up your own metrics for success set up your own goals to to attain that don't rely on other people's acceptance and and i don't and don't get me wrong other people are part of of it are part of the journey are like hopefully somebody's listening to me fucking say this shit right and and read my stuff and coming to to my page and reading my stuff so i'm not saying you know fuck everybody completely. What I am saying is don't don't make that acceptance of other people of your work the main driving force behind what it is that you do. Don't don't in any way ever let it be the steerer of the direction that you start heading in. Or if that's what you think is right, then do it. <laughs> That's on you, Playboy. But uh just know that you have to live with the with that. And as long as you can, that's really what matters. Alright, the next piece I'm gonna be reading was posted to the website on June twenty sixth, twenty seventeen, and is a it is a quote by Doctor Tal ben Shahar, which is a lecturer and author and And uh, if I remember correctly, was a psychology professor at Harvard or something like that. Um, Anyway, this quote, um, my free writing piece is based on this quote from him. And the quote is, quote, the most successful people see adversity not as a stumbling block, but as a stepping stone to greatness. End quote. To that I wrote, it's a matter of perspective and conviction. Not only do we have to train Not only do you have to train yourself to see the silver lining in situations and occurrences that happen in contrast to your goals and desires, but you also need to establish the belief that following through with that conviction requires. Wait, let me read that again. But you also need to establish the belief that following through with that conviction, one more time. But you also need to establish what the belief that following through with that conviction requires. Shape and mold your experiences in accordance to that conviction and grow towards greatness. You make the choice between letting your circumstances trip you up or learning the lessons of what not to do inherent within them and therefore elevate yourself. I wrote that on Thursday, January 21st, 2016 at 4:52 p.m. So I guess with like reading back on this, what I was getting at is or at least my interpretation of it now, which again you guys listening to it might have a different interpretation, that's what's supposed to happen is that it's not just identifying the silver linings in, like, bad situations, you know what I mean? Like, that's always, like, a, like, a a positive way to look at negative situations, you know, you know, it could be worse, or, you know, you lost your job, but now you have the opportunity to look for a better job, like, stuff like that. It's not just identifying the silver linings, because you can identify it. I'm, I'm a firm believer that you can identify silver linings in, in deaths of loved ones and, and, Losses of employment and breakups in relationships and in and in like the worst things that we go through in life. You can identify silver linings, but it's not to say that those silver linings are. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not to say that those silver linings outweigh the negative impact of the cloud. You know, of the of the negative shit that you're going through. But it is a small positive and a you know big negative. And some people might write that off as whatever the negative outweighs the positive, so it's all negative. I personally don't look at things that way. But the point of this post, in my opinion now, fucking a year and a half later, is that it's not just identifying those silver linings, but also backing up, like backing yourself up in the recognition of those silver linings with the conviction of those perspectives so it's not just uh, pointing it out like pointing out that that that's overlining but following through with it like believing it having the the wherewithal to push push it like yeah that means like i you know i lost my job that means yes now i should focus on getting a better job and actually apply to better jobs and i guess don't just wait for it to fall on your lap type of thing don't just wait for that don't don't point out silver linings as, as Like a possible positive Make those positives happen Like if I get fired I guess the silver lining is I could travel It's like no get fired and then book the trip the next day To travel If I get sick or diagnosed with something God forbid you know uh, I guess you know I could The silver lining would be that I could I would be forced to then incorporate A healthier lifestyle that I've been putting off For so long and diet and exercise In a proper way um, no, I'll get diagnosed with it. And the next day, fucking hit the treadmill and start eating a fucking ketogenic diet or something to literally starve the cancer cells that thrive on, on, on sugars, on glucose. Shit like that. Uh, that's what I get from, from this post. Now, the last post that I'm going to share with you guys, it was posted on the website on June 26th, 2017. And was from a one of my favorite podcasts which is the good times podcast with steve simone and it's a small uh three word quote that i pulled from it that that sparked this free writing like he said it it resonated with me um definitely go listen to to the podcast i don't i didn't write down and i'm pissed on myself for it that i don't remember the exact episode that he said this in um if not i would have linked to it but I just linked instead to uh just his his podcast in general. Uh which is definitely a, a good listen. It's a it's a good time when you listen to the good times podcast. <laughs> you get in a good mood. Uh at least I do. Um and he said, quote, don't postpone happiness. End quote. And to this I wrote We tend to do that from time to time, don't we? We have abstract thoughts and ideas about what would make us happy. And then we go back to doing what we normally do. Apparently we're waiting for that happiness to happen to us. Stop sleeping folks. That's not how we get to where we want to be. What we need to be doing is actively seeking out that happiness, pull that future bliss into the present. Try to remember how ignorantly you believed that anything was possible when you were a child and realize how wise you once were. I wrote that on Friday, February 12th, 2016 at 11.35 p.m. And again, this sounds kind of preachy and like I have everything figured out and I'm the first to admit that I'm far from that. But as I said, this is an exercise in figuring things out and helping each other figure shit out. And when I free write, I notice, you know, and going back to a lot of these things that I'm writing not necessarily to an audience, but to myself. Like my notebooks are filled with, you know, uh, free writing pieces and and a fraction, a small fraction of them I share with you guys on on here so these are more like personal these are more like to myself type of things and even when i write it like in third person kind of and like i say shit like what we need to be doing is actively seeking out that happiness it's like i'm speaking to like we as like a singular we if that makes sense it's like i'm telling myself like yo what you got to be doing you fuck stop being like down in the dumps or whatever is. Is you want to be a writer? Start fucking writing. Start a website. Start a podcast. Force yourself to, to to write more by creating this whole other thing called a podcast that you're also into. And it's going to push you to have to create more content because you have to have shit to talk about on the podcast. and And it's going to be like a self-fulfilling prophecy type of thing. You know, like one thing pushes the other. And... Be more in the now, be more in the present, be more into whatever it is that you want to be into, that you want to, that you keep putting off. Start it now and enjoy it now. I know I've had like the, the thought of, oh, you know, when I retire from work, when I'm done, you know, putting in the work and, 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 you know i'm 65 years old and i get to retire then i'm going to have all this free time and then i'm going to write it's like why 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 wait not nah, like pull that shit into the now like pull that idea into now and figure out how to do it now i still work my 9 to 5 that i don't necessarily love or hate and make time for this for the podcast make time for for the uh for writing And there's things that I want, but I don't want it as bad as I want to be writing and podcasting or whatever full time, you know, like, like being healthier. Like I want it abstractly, like as an idea, like, yeah, I want to eat healthier. I want to exercise more or fucking at all, but I don't, I go through spurts of it, but I don't obviously want it bad enough to do it because if I did, I would prioritize it more so and incorporate it more so Into my life But I did for example want meditating And and mindfulness More so than the The physical um, Side of that of like exercising and shit Because I did incorporate meditating Into my life on a very regular Basis But even with that like I found myself Thinking Things like When my wife's schedule changes at work, and and I have um, x amount of time to myself, or or at night when she's asleep, you know, then I'll meditate then. And then, uh, oh no, but that's my writing time, and then so I can't do it then. So I'll just push it off. You know, you know, one day I'll have the space to 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 do it. It's like no, don't push it off. Find a place where it fits and cut cut something else that you could trim. You know, like. I wake up 15 minutes earlier than I otherwise would and instantly meditate first thing in the morning. Um, And by creating that habit, because I wanted it bad enough, um, it worked and I do it. And instead of waking up at 6 a.m., I wake up at 5.45 a.m., literally, and do it then. And then I wake up and do a little writing and shit like that before having to get ready for work. Um, But yeah, that's uh, my take on that post now. And that is the episode, folks. Episode 76 in the books. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you want to check out uh, any of those three free writing pieces that we just went over, or many, many others, feel free to go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. All are available and will be available there for free in perpetuity. But if websites and stuff like that aren't your thing, and you don't want to go to some some random guy's blog, and you want something more practical, more more tangible, then you can get my book, Make Way for You, which is av- available in paperback or um, as an ebook. Wherever ebooks are sold, you can get it on iBooks. You can get it on Kindle on your Kindle e-reader. Or whatever e-reader that you have you can get it at, on kobo barnes and noble wherever you get your ebooks you can get make way for you and it's chock full of free writing goodies like these that we just went over if you want to find out more on the book make way for you tips for getting out of your own way Go to my book's landing page, which is Sponsorate.com forward slash books And uh, Check it out, you have a few free excerpts there That, uh, audio excerpts That you can listen to uh, If that's your thing And uh, you have links to to Amazon and Kindle and iBooks And everywhere where you can get the book You have it there Also, if you would like a free PDF copy of the book Or a free copy of the book um, Sign up to The The distribution list for the book right there on that same landing page at the bottom Just drop in your email address and I'll shoot you a copy right over. You know what else I got for you guys to check out? If you're interested, I have a weekly newsletter called the midday Monday boost letter. It's completely free. You can subscribe to it and then unsubscribe to it at any time. And what it is is five things that I'm into, which are photos, so i feature a photo one photo every week from like an instagram um uh photographer or or different photos that i find that are dope like nasa photos of outer space like shit like that and also a podcast of the week as you guys know i listen to a boatload of podcasts and the shows or episodes that resonate with me i share with you guys as like hey check this shit out it was a pretty cool episode also a quote of the week i'm into quotes it could be Quotes on life and motivation and inspiration or just like food for thought type of quotes. A video of the week, which could be anything from like a, a TED talk or a battle rap or a dope breakfast club interview. Um, or dope inter- interview period and stuff like that. Things within my, my wheelhouse. Stuff that I find interesting. And also a word of the week. Where I share like a cool word that I like that I came across while writing or or that I just came across while while reading that I thought was interesting and I give you guys like the definition I use it in a sentence and give you some synonyms and stuff like that so it's like um word of the day toilet paper but just in a weekly newsletter instead (laughs) check it out if you guys want to subscribe to that weekly newsletter and get a boost for your Mondays at noon while you're at work and not looking forward to to the sign up to the Midday Monday Boost Letter at spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. Again, it's completely free and you can unsubscribe at any time. Something else you guys should check out if you're a writer or a creative of some sort, and if you want to be featured on the Spun Today podcast, again, completely for free, and it's a good way for you guys to to promote your own stuff or books or newsletters or whatever it is that you have going on, or maybe a, another podcast, uh, check out the mid, the, uh, sorry, the, uh, spun today questionnaire at spun com forward slash questionnaire and it's just five open-ended questions that i ask that if you fill out um i share with the listeners here on the podcast and in the past we've had best-selling authors that have uh filled it out or artists and podcasters and and we get like good insight into what it is that you guys do and um share tips with each other basically so it's pretty cool check it out again it's at dot com forward slash questionnaire if you like photos i take photos of shit that i find interesting as like a wannabe novice photographer and i post them some of the ones that i find good ones on the website at dot forward slash photography you guys can check those out and feel free to download them for free and i also post a lot of those on my instagram page at spun today or my facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash spun feel free to check them out there as well what else what else what else oh when you do your shopping on amazon and stuff like that you can help support the podcast financially i know if you guys listen to the podcast, you guys know the drill basically what you do is go to spun forward slash affiliate links and you click on my amazon banner Uh, literally just click on the sign there that says Amazon and it'll take you to Amazon's website. It's literally the same exact thing as just going to www.amazon.com and buying the stuff that you buy. But when you do it through, when you go through that route of going through my website first and clicking on the banner through my website, Amazon gives me a kickback just for driving traffic towards their site. So it does not increase the price of anything for you but it does help support the podcast financially it's a couple extra clicks and it would be very helpful so uh, check that out if you can again sponsor.com forward slash affiliate links there on that same page are the other ways that you can help support the podcast financially whether it be through a direct donation via patreon uh, feel free to check that out as well there's a little video there that explains exactly how patreon works and you can click on become a patron which will take you to my patreon page and then breaks it down further um, on patreon you can donate a dollar per episode two dollars per episode a thousand dollars per episode whatever whatever it is that uh, uh, you feel like donating and different levels of donations get you different things gets you like a shout out on the podcast a, a limited edition bookmark of mine it'll get you free books in perpetuity from you know now to the future stuff like that so check it out. A great way to support the podcast is by rating and reviewing it. Whether you listen on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbay, on iHeartRadio, on Google Play, on TuneIn, wherever it is that you listen to the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you rate and review it. That helps the podcast move up in rank, which helps other people find it more easily. They don't have to you know, dig through the couple thousand podcasts that are on the internet to find the Spun Today podcast They might just have to go through a couple less thousand or so <laughs> um, anyway rate and review the podcast it would be greatly appreciated and what else what else I think that's pretty much it folks thanks again for listening this is episode 76 of the sponsored podcast i'm your host tony ortiz and as always substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams thanks for listening